How many times do you click that button in a day? If you do it 120 times a day and you save a second, that's two minutes a day of time savings. Different time slots are worth different amounts. Say your time is worth $100 an hour. If you get eight hours of savings, that's like someone just coming up to you and throwing $800 in your pocket. You stop following best practices because you don't have the time to follow the best practice, but then that gets you further into the quicksand of not having time. And that's the mindset shift of optimizing your team from transferring information fast to optimizing your team for retrieving fast. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Okay, friends, I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode. I have recommended Nick's book, Come Up For Air, to so many people. And I talk about this in the show, but I didn't anticipate it having as big of an effect on me as it did. And that's because I was thinking it was more for you know large companies, people with lots of employees, but it was so applicable. It is changing the way I view my own personal job and business and everything that I do. If you are all about time efficiency and getting the maximum bang for your buck in all that you do in your pursuits of your life and your career, this is the book for you. This is the episode for you. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. We talk about so many things like how to truly optimize your email. Are you overwhelmed with email? Can you not get through all the emails? Nick has a solution for that. Are you trying to find better ways to manage and organize and operate when it comes to accomplishing tasks? this is the show for you. What type of communication should you have within your company, within your work life? What is the power of no? And so much more. Nick has been there. He's done that. And now he's sharing his wisdom with so many people. I cannot thank him enough. And I can't wait to hear what you guys think. These show notes will have a full transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. For that, just go to melanieavalon.com slash come up for air. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting Plus Real Foods Plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something that I love. And then check out my Friday announcement post on Instagram. And again, comment there to enter to win something that I love. If you're enjoying this show, the ultimate best way to support it is if you can take a moment and write a brief review in Apple Podcasts. It helps so much more than most people realize. So thank you so, so much in advance for that. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric or focused on a certain type of person. And I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market. 
ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you're currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, they are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or LGE, and I really experience the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with, and to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body, so it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, it may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque, it can help alleviate pain, and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code Melanie Avalon, as well as a 20% off code when you text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. That's Avalon X to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys if you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. 
that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity. If you are using conventional skincare makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up and just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin, so you can truly feel good about what you put on, and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash clean beauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences. And I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a band of beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, and they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with my friend, Nick Sonnenberg. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. I feel like it is a long time coming. I've so been looking forward to this. So the backstory on today's conversation, if friends have heard episode or the I feel like it's episodes because I talk about him so much. But if friends have heard the episode I did with my fabulous friend, John Levy, for his book, You're Invited, he is an incredible person and he has a tendency to introduce me to just the coolest people. And so for, I mean, it's been a long time now that he's been talking about this person, but for the longest time, he was saying I had to meet this man, Nick Sonnenberg. So he connected me to Nick and Nick had a book coming out called Come Up for Air, How Teams Can Leverage Systems and Tools to Stop Drowning in Work. And so what's interesting is I saw the book and the concept and the title. I mean, it looked amazing. I didn't know if it would be like, I didn't know if I personally would get a lot out of it since I don't have like a big, huge company situation. I'm just a little entrepreneur over here doing my thing. Don't undersell yourself. 
<laughs> no, no, but for real. So I was like, I don't, I was like, well, we'll see. So I read, <laughs> so I read the book. Okay. Wow. So I learned so much in this book. I actually think this book is going to have a life changing effect on me because it is changing how I am personally approaching my own business. And then appropriately enough, halfway through reading it, I actually did launch a company or started launching a company that will probably be a more traditional company. So that was really great because I was like, oh, I can start it off right from the beginning. And then on top of that, I have been recommending this book to so many people, especially you guys know I do my Avalon X supplements and I work with MD Logic and some of you probably know Scott because I've done interviews with him and I've been like, Scott, you have to read this book. <laughs> You've got to start implementing this in your company. And so it was really just an amazing read. And then on top of that, even if you feel like it won't apply to you, like I felt like in the beginning, I learned so much about efficiency and productivity, which are things I love. I learned about dealing with email, meetings, just so many incredible things. So I have so many questions. And Nick, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me and for those kind remarks. It really means a lot. Also, apologies because I screwed up our meeting link in the beginning. So we wasted some time, which was embarrassing because this is the man who's all about systems and efficiency. So my bad. It's all right. I I was clearing out my inbox while I was waiting. Oh, perfect. Okay. I feel better. Thank you. (laughs) So to start things off. Oh, and by the way, because I have your book in my hand right now, just to give an endorsement. So the cover has an endorsement from Tony Robbins, quote, Nick has cracked the code on operational efficiency. I mean, that's that's saying a lot. So on that note, you talk about this in the book, but can you tell listeners a little bit about your personal story? You are with the company Leverage now, but what led you to, I mean, everything? Because you talk about your schooling life and your life with stocks and being an entrepreneur and all the stuff. So what led you to what you're doing today? Why did you write this book? Well, I wrote the book because I want to help people and I firsthand know what it's like to drown in work. And I feel like we, after a lot of tinkering, I feel like Leverage My Company is basically like a think tank where we really tinker with all the new ways of working, all the new systems. We really stress test, not like you know, this is how you click a button to create a task, but like, how can we think about this outside the box and define best practices and really focus on not just how to use it, but when to use them and what scenarios should you use these tools? I saw that it made such a big impact to our company and to our clients that we do the training and consulting of all these different systems and and processes. And I want, I wrote a book because ultimately I want to make as big of an impact as possible. And I want to, you know, time is our most valuable asset. And if I could help gift back to the world millions of hours of wasted time that was just going to be completely inefficient and not things that give people joy or, you know, tap into their superpower, I thought that that would be a pretty cool impact to make. And my background, I actually started off as a, as a trader on Wall Street. I was a high frequency trader in case if you've ever heard of that. But Basically, I'm a mathematician, and I would build algorithms and code computers to trade stocks at microsecond speeds. So we're talking literally microseconds, nanoseconds. Knew nothing about the companies. It was all purely based off of math, trying to capture fractions of a penny 
of theoretical price discrepancies and would just trade billions and billions of dollars. And I did that for about eight years. It really, it really taught me how to appreciate time in a completely different dimension. Cause like in that space, literally a microsecond can mean millions. And it really teaches you how to deconstruct a process, how to celebrate small wins, and just trains you how to think in a, in a unique way. By the time I was 30, I did pretty well. I had some money in the bank, didn't have you know, a family or kids, and I had an idea for a startup, and I decided it was a good time to, to take the leap and give it a go at the startup world. I was always passionate about productivity, saving time, my whole life, really. And so I had an idea for a scheduling app called Calvin and did that for about a year. And during, during that, that year, one day I was having dinner with one of my best friends who was also in the productivity space. It coincidentally happened that that night we were having dinner, a company called Zirtual, which was the biggest virtual assistant company, announced bankruptcy. And we were really familiar with the freelancer marketplace space and the virtual assistant space. And so we were talking during dinner. And at the end of it, we had an idea for a new type of freelancer marketplace. And I said, like, why don't, why don't I build the back end in a day? You get five clients and we launch on day two as like a fun side project. We weren't really thinking much about it. And we did it. And about a month later, speaking of Tony Robbins, we're at a conference where he's he's the day two speaker and we were the day three speaker. And we're talking about kind of what we're thinking about and talking about new ways of work. And this is back in 2015. So like things like Slack and Trello and Zapier and, and a lot of the tools that still many companies aren't using most. And if you are, you're probably not using them to their highest and best use. But back then they were kind of just like a foreign language. So we kind of introduced these things at the, at the conference and got like 90% of people to raise their hand and sign up as clients. Fast forward a year, we're doing seven figures in revenue and have 150 people on the team and we didn't raise any money. Now that all sounds impressive, but under the hood, we were a complete mess. We scaled prematurely. People were really impressed with kind of, you know, the seven figures and 150 people, but we, we, were, we, we got too far ahead of our skis. We didn't have that operation, that operational efficiency foundation. And for example, our org chart was just two people. I was the head of non-people, so I was doing all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And my partner was the head of people. So... You know, literally only clients and team members only knew him. I was doing all the behind the scenes stuff. And then one day we're having coffee year two and he taps me on the shoulder and he tells me he's leaving. Not in two weeks or two days. He's like literally leaving in two minutes. And, and I go white and I'm thinking to myself like, holy crap, we're going to go bankrupt. Because on top of kind of missing this foundation, like we were also losing a lot of money. We were like three quarters of a million dollars in debt. And the PL that year was like minus $450,000. So it we were growing fast, but we weren't <laughs> we weren't making money. And so he leaves and immediately in three in a three-month period, we lose 40% of clients and revenue. And I'm cashing out my 401k. My dad's taking a second mortgage on the house to help us make payroll. Bank accounts are getting frozen. I mean, it was 
to say I was drowning in work would be an understatement. And I had to make a choice. Do I just bankrupt the company that most, most people advised or do I stick it out, not screw our clients out of the credits that we owed them, but also I did see a path to turning things around. I could see where we were tripping up. Communication was all over the place. We were wasting so much time on communication. It wasn't easy in one or two clicks to just answer basic questions like, who's working on what? What's the status of this project? So I knew I needed to be able to do that. And then lastly, like where we, where we documented our knowledge, we were pretty good about that already. Had we not have been, we probably would have gone bankrupt. But I knew that you know, we needed to be able to retrieve any piece of information in the companies you know, very fast. So I started kind of focusing on those three key areas and very quickly things started turning around. And word got out about kind of how we were operating and just through referral people started introducing me to companies to consult them on internal efficiency. So that's how I met Tony. And I worked with poop spray companies like Poopery and cryptocurrencies and financial advisors. And what I found was all the stuff that was turning leverage around was really impactful for you know the number one coach in the world or a poop spray company or a financial advisor. So it didn't matter your team size or industry, everyone needed to communicate with, you know, team members and clients. Everyone needed to manage tasks and projects. You know, that's what I call their plan. And everyone had resources. They had intellectual property. And so that was kind of the genesis of this framework called CPR, Communicate, Plan, and Resource. And I and I just saw this big opportunity to pivot leverage to help businesses in CPR. And so I kind of like organically over time, we just shifted into, into bringing that into leverage. And now that being the core of what we do, which is operational efficiency, training and consulting for teams and companies. And what we found is on average, we're able to almost immediately save every single person in a company, a full business day a week. In often cases, we're able to see you know, 20, 40% productivity gain per person in a company. And, you know, if you think about what your payroll, if you're, you know, an entrepreneur or a business owner, you know, say your payroll's even a million dollars a year, you know, 20 to 40%, like that's 200 to 400K of value creation, just cleaning up some dumb stuff that's really quick to clean up. You know, and then obviously if, if it's a $10 million a year company, you're talking two to $4 million a year. So it was massive bottom line impact in this kind of niche consulting world. And yeah, we just kind of put a stake in the ground. We're like, we're going to be best in the world at this. And that's kind of what led me to writing this book. We just saw at this point, we've worked with thousands and thousands of teams. And we've just at this point realized that this CPR framework is kind of this, you know, indisputable call it law for lack of a better word, that every business needs to be thinking about. And it, it's worked with every single team that we've ever worked with. And, you know, we wanted to write a book to get the, to get the knowledge and the message out. That's a very epic story. And it sounds very stressful. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, everything that I develop is, it's never like do as I say, not as I do. It's, it's because we've experienced the pain of not having something work. And then, 
you know, the engineer in me will say, okay, well, we got to go, we have to come up with a solution and figure out some intellectual property content, best practice that then we package and deliver to our clients. So everything that we develop is something that we've stress tested internally first, and it's always come from pain. I mean, (laughs) I literally couldn't have been more drowning in work during that situation. But the silver lining is at the end of the pain comes a new best practice that not only helps us, but helps a lot of other teams. Yeah, that was something I was really impressed with when you were telling the story in the book. And you mentioned it just now, but that decision not to, you know, file bankruptcy and basically just leave all those people in the dark. So how would you know when to leave something? So for example, like the Calvin app, you didn't continue with, but this you did, you know, address and fix. Like, how do you know when you're drowning, if maybe you should just let that thing drown? I think that if you, I think you need to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you don't have a vision with a clear path to achieving it, that can sustain your current pain, then you should get out. Okay, I have a very nuanced question about time, and I hope I can properly articulate it. But you're speaking about this idea of, you know, basically giving people however many extra days back of work in time. And throughout the book, there are all of these examples and processes and ways to save time and, and be more efficient. So what happens when the time requires it being cumulative? And what I mean by that is, so say, because I think you talk in the email section, you talk about how like even keyboard shortcuts, for example, can save you a few seconds. And so if you add up all those seconds over a year, it's X amount of time you got back. But if you're getting time back in minute little packages where it's like a second, does it not require time to be linear in a row for it to actually have value? Like, does the clock reset every night? Like, do you get to bank up that time? That is the question. (laughs) And get productivity from it. Think about it in cumulative, right? So like, it's, it's, or think about it. There's a lot of parallels to money. You can invest money, you can spend money, you can waste money. It's the same thing with time. You can spend your time, waste your time. Like, you could paint a wall and stare at the wall and watch paint dry and literally it'd be the equivalent of burning dollars, right? You're just burning time. You can invest money, like you could go and put $100 in the stock market and hope that in a year from now, maybe it's worth, maybe you've got $110 and you got a 10% return. You can invest your time. Like you can learn how to use email properly, which is probably our number one training program. Let's say it takes you five hours to really become a ninja in email right? But on average, we're seeing that you can save, depending on volume, three to five hours a week. I mean, basically, after your first one or two weeks, you've broken even on that investment because what you've invested in terms of time, like forget about the money aspect, which is negligible, like just the time commitment. After two weeks, you've now recovered all the time you've put in. And now for the rest of your life, Every week, you've just gotten a gift of three to five hours that you could do whatever you want with. You could do more work. You could do more projects. You could go and read more books. I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do with their freed up time, right? So 
you know, try to think about it in perpetuity. You know, I invest this much to learn something. How much time savings is it going to yield for me in perpetuity? Or if you want to put, you know, do a 10 year calculation, you know, over the next 10 years, if I do this, I'm going to save this much time and it's going to take me this, these many hours to set it up. You know, is it worth it? And things like a keyboard shortcut are just so easy to do that, you know, at scale, one click of a button that you save a second isn't going to change your life. But think of things at scale. Like, how many times do you click that button in a day? If you do it 120 times a day and you save a second, that's two minutes a day of time savings. Okay, maybe that's not going to be the end-all be-all, but maybe at the end of the week, that's 10 minutes. And maybe at the end of the month, that's 40 minutes, right? And then maybe at the end of the year, that's like eight hours. And again, like maybe that eight hours isn't going to be the difference between you being broke and a billionaire. But I don't know about you, but you know, if you want to, if you wanted to give me a, you know, say your time is worth a hundred dollars an hour. If you get eight hours of savings, that's like someone just coming up to you and throwing $800 in your pocket. Like I take it. And also when you start celebrating small wins, which is one of the lessons I got from high frequency trading, you start noticing other things like when you're when you you start training your eyes to celebrate these small wins and look at these things you might start finding hundreds of these small wins so like imagine at the end of the year someone doesn't just throw one $800 check in your pocket but they throw a hundred of them in your pocket so you know th- think about it from that lens i think i think a lot of people are just looking for like immediate signals or immediate points of gratification, which is hard to usually find. But when you start looking at things and and looking at things from that lens, I like to look at everything from the lens of how does this affect an entire organization? So, you know, what we just talked about was one person. But if you have a team of 10, you know, that's like an $8,000 check at the end of the year for the business, right? And so it starts becoming even more so important from the lens of a business owner or an entrepreneur, when you start, you know, multiplying these benefits by the number of people on your team. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando. And it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like BrainTap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Anna Becca, and that is just a few of them. 
I seriously had the time of my life last year and I would love to hang out with you guys and you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohacking conference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Gotcha. I like the small wins thing. It's kind of funny how much I've been thinking about the keyboard shortcut thing and trying to figure out if the time, if you get to like get benefit from that time. I know I'm going down a complete rabbit hole. Say you do the keyboard shortcut and it gives you back two seconds doing that email right then. You can't do anything in that extra two seconds probably before your next commitment. So did you actually get that time? I like I get the small win aspect and you feel better because you get it done quicker. But can you actually do anything? Every second, every second matters. You know, like, I mean, think about it the extreme opposite. Like, say you don't care about any seconds, you know, that, you know, and think about what your life and productivity would be like if you always just with everything thought, oh, well, what's a second? Well, I always like to think in extreme cases as like a, a step in my process for developing kind of IP and content. So imagine the opposite. You know, if the opposite's happening, you get nothing done in a day. Every second, every second matters, especially in this day and age, because like, okay, yeah, that, that one second, maybe you're not going to feel it. But again, like if that one second happens 120 times a day, and then you've got a hundred other tricks that are saving you a second, it definitely does add up. You know, in one second, I can click to another tab. Okay. I mean, we're starting to get kind of really granular. So I hope that the the listeners aren't thinking that it's like, just like, oh, he's teaching me how to save a second. It's more of a mindset, you know, like this is more of a mindset. It's like seconds at scale. Every second matters. And if you can save a second, but like hundreds a day across your team, it starts adding up to meaningful amounts of money at the end of the day. And money aside, productivity aside, People want to have like a better work environment where it's not as stressful, where they're not getting distracted every second, where it's not like a scavenger hunt to find things. So it also makes work just more enjoyable Enjoyable the closer it is to being a well-oiled machine. To give listeners a broader picture, this was me going super granular on just one, one tiny little thing, but the entirety of the book is much more like Nick said, well, bigger processes and implementations and more about a mindset and a complete shift in everything. While we're on the email topic, because that's something that pretty much most people are dealing with. And so you have something very, a very cool system called Inbox Zero, which I haven't done it yet. Got to get on it. I do my unread system. I do the unread system. Yeah, that's a popular system too. But I'm telling you, like the Inbox Zero system, it literally can save on average because we survey people that go through our programs and we work with. We'll do a survey kind of pre and post 
where it's like, how many emails did you have at the beginning? How many you have at the end? How many, how many hours a week did you spend an email before? How many are you spending now? It literally can give you almost immediately three to five hours a week. It's like the number one thing. Like, And it doesn't matter if you're an employee, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a team of one, if you're a team of 100. That's the quickest path to just getting back a quick 10%. So... And I don't want to give away all the secrets, but long story short, what is Inbox Zero? Inbox Zero, basically, let's start with what is email. Email is just an external to-do list that other people can add to. Which I love that. Sorry, I don't like interrupting, but when I read that, I was like, oh, (laughs) that's powerful. Right. And so like, what do you like to do with to-do lists? You like... You like to check off that you've done things, right? It's the Zigernick effect, who's like a psychologist back in like the 1930s. You like to check things off. Like as humans, it's just a part of our nature. And email is the same thing. You don't want to be looking at the same stuff over and over, read or unread. You want to treat it like a to-do list and clear it out. So when you're opening it, like right now, and I'm not saying this to brag, Inbox zero does not literally mean you have zero things in your in your email. It just means, say, you have less than 20, 30. It means that you have a system where you're not wasting time relooking at things, where you have a system where you're not wasting time going on a scavenger hunt, where you're not wasting time organizing things into a complex foldering structure instead of searching, where you could snooze emails and things magically pop up when you want them to pop up a world where you're not missing. I can't tell you enough how many people that go through these programs and we ask them kind of like, what were some of the big takeaways? A a lot of it's not even the time savings. It's that they would have missed an email that could have been worth tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to them that would have slipped through the cracks because they just didn't have a good grip on their email and so you you have way less missed opportunities. So inbox zero is basically you have less than 20 or 30 emails in your inbox and we teach you a very structured framework of how to deal with every email that comes in so you're never going to miss a single one, you're never going to miss an opportunity and you're never going to waste time and you know have email control you. It's it's a way to empower you to take control back over it. So I encourage listeners, if they want to learn this magical system, to get the book. <laughs> and then um, actually, you did just mention something, though, the boomerang effect of emails. And that's something that really stuck with me because you talk about in the book about how one of the ways, you know, just in general with email to help reduce emails is the less you send out. Like basically every time you answer an email, you're inviting a reply back. By sending out less, you get back less. And that's something I've really struggled with because I personally feel the need to answer every single email, even if it might not need to be answered. I've cognitively tried to you know, not do that going forward. So that's been really, really helpful. Well, you know, the best way to get to inbox zero is email zero. So a big emphasis on a lot of the stuff that, you know, we do research on and we train and consult on is when should you use these tools? It all starts with the when, not the how. Like, when should you use email versus Slack versus text versus, you know, Asana or whatever it is? Because if you don't align with your team on when to use these tools, even if you know how to click certain buttons and where things, you know, how to do some of those things, 
the biggest waste of, t- waste of time in companies is what I call the scavenger hunt, which is where you have to go and look in a million different places to find what you're looking for. And so most of the things happening in email actually should be either in a tool like Slack or Microsoft Teams, if it's internal communication, and there's specific functionality that those tools have, which makes it optimal for internal communication. Or it should be in a work management tool like Asana or Monday or one of those tools. If it's actionable and you want to hold someone accountable and you want to be able to click a button and know, you know that Melanie this week is working on this, this, and this, or you know the status of this project, you want to be able to click a button and answer that. So different tools are built for different purpose. And one of the biggest issues I see today inside of companies is that there's a misalignment of the purpose of all these tools and it's just kind of fallen into this mindset where everyone can just do whatever they want. You know, it's like largely a personal preference thing and that just doesn't work. Like if you're running a team or a company and everyone's just kind of putting stuff wherever they feel like it, you know, it just becomes a cluster. And by investing the time and aligning your team on the purpose of each of these tools and in what situation should you put something in, you know, the first drawer, you know, the email drawer versus the Slack drawer versus the Asana drawer. The way to get exponential productivity inside of teams is you align your team on the purpose of each of these drawers and people start taking the time to take a step back. And even if it takes an extra click or two, put it in the right drawer. And that's the mindset shift of, of optimizing your team for trans, from transferring information fast to optimizing your, your team for retrieving fast. It's the equivalent of like how we already do our laundry. When you do your laundry, you don't just take stuff out of the dryer and throw it into one drawer, even though that would be the fastest way to be done with your laundry. What you do is you take pause and you put things in the right drawer. You put your underwear in your underwear drawer, your socks in your sock drawer. That takes an extra few seconds each, you know, for each piece of your laundry, but you do that because tomorrow when you need to put an outfit together, it's much faster to retrieve your outfit. And so it's the same thing in business. You've got all these different drawers. People need to understand, most importantly, when to not use a tool. And then they also have to understand when to use a tool. And then the third most important is, you know, the how-to and the best practices. That was definitely a major paradigm shift that I think a lot of people can have. And it's it's something that I intuitively, I think, in life was catching on to and knew I should be doing, but hadn't really concentrated on implementing. And now, ever since reading your book, I've become super aware of it, especially like in today's modern age where we can communicate so many different ways and things will sort of like sync up. So there's, you know, your text and then you have iMessage on your computer and then you have email and then, well, you know, these internal communication systems. So basically this idea that the communication needs to be in a certain place, a large portion of what you say is this might be a, um, a little bit of a shock to people, but that email should just be for external communication. So from your company out to like clients and such, not internal. I think that's going to scare people. (laughs) So maybe that concept of not using it for internal communication. Do you get a lot of friction from people with that? Especially email. It's been around for decades and not every team or company has heard of some of these other tools or use them. Every single person 
uses either Gmail or Outlook, and they've developed bad habits over the years. Most people, basically everyone, I'm sure you listening right now, think to yourself, I've got a good system. Like I've been doing it this way for years, and it seems to be working. And so that's always a challenge when you develop, you know, it's like telling someone that they need to brush their teeth with their, with their other hand. It's uncomfortable. Behavior change is hard. I think the most important thing, though, is people have a student mindset, and you're always thinking and open-minded to a better way. If you have that mindset, you can go really far. I wrote down one of your quotes. You said that you used to think a business could only grow as fast as knowledge transfers, but really it can only grow as fast as it's retrieved, which I think is, yeah, a good foundation. This is actually sort of similar and related, but it's something that I read about in your book, and then I realized it's something I've been doing in my own life as well. I just hadn't really put a label to it. This idea, especially in today's society with all of our overwhelming slew of notifications, but this push-pull system, and I realized I've been doing this. So I have all notifications turned off to the greatest extent possible that I can. I turn them off because I don't want everybody to be able to just attack me with information all the time. So then I have to go in. So like, I'm slightly different. You know, I'm like a social media influencer and biohacker and podcaster, but I have to like go into Facebook and engage. I have to go into Instagram and engage. It can't just come to me, like insert itself in my life. So I really liked that concept of the push-pull system. How does that manifest in a a company mindset? I mean, push-pull is just like another way of, of saying kind of optimize for retrieve. You know, you want to, Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work. My friend Nir Eyal wrote a book called Indistractable. You know, and, and when you have a push system and you're just getting constant notifications, you kind of lose control. And when you're in a flow state and you're taken out of a flow state, it could take, you know, like 15 minutes to get back into it. You know, I'm, we're, we're, Stephen Kotler is a friend of mine. He's like the world expert in flow when we're, we're behind the scenes talking about putting together some content about the intersection of flow and operational efficiency. But, you know, when you're in a push state, you cannot be in a flow state. And you want your team, you want yourself to be in a flow state to produce, you know, the highest quality work possible. And also, I just want to emphasize, we've been talking a lot on this call about saving time, but it's also about optimizing time. Not all time is worth the same. So, of course, you want to save as much time as possible, but you also want to optimize your time. So we used the example earlier, like say your time is worth $100 an hour. That's just a blanket statement. It is not the case where if you look at every time slot on your calendar, it's not that every time slot is a is $100 an hour time slot. Like for example, you know, and a lot of your listeners are biohackers. So let's just say, you know, you wake up in the morning and you go to the gym, you take your supplements, your you know, pre-workout smoothie or drink, you meditate, you do breath work, you journal, you do whatever you do in your in your mornings, like whatever sets you up for the day, right? And you do that say every day, but like say it's a it's Monday right now and you've just also had a relaxing weekend, right? And you finish all that and you maybe you do, you know, a bulletproof coffee or a coffee or whatever. You know, all of that's done, you shower, now it's nine o'clock. At that point, your brain is probably firing, assuming you have a good quality sleep, your brain's functioning at full horsepower. So what you can achieve you know, at that time slot could be exponentially more than 
fast forward to Friday at seven o'clock, you've had a hundred Zoom calls for the week. You're tired. You're in the back of an Uber. You don't have your laptop with you. What you can do at that point, just based off of your brain's horsepower and not having your laptop, is not going to be worth the same. So different time slots based off of where your brain's horsepower is and what you have access to are worth different amounts. It's not just about saving time, it's about optimizing your time. So I always encourage people, you know, you could do things also, some quick wins are analyze the meetings that you're having and anything that could be done asynchronously, meaning you have someone kind of pre-record a video that you could watch on your own time when you're in the back of that Uber and, you know, you've got kind of nothing better to do. You know, imagine if you could cut your not your hour long 9 to 10 a.m. call what if you could cut that to 30 minutes or 45 minutes and now you've got an extra 15 minutes when your brain's at that high horsepower you know if your brain if 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 that time slot to you is worth $1000 an hour for that time slot 15 minutes is worth $250 right and if you could just do a time shift and now that 15 minutes you could do high level work And now, instead of just looking out the window doing nothing in that Uber, you can watch the recording at one and a half, two X speed. That's a massive win. Hi, friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits, as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold control. Contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, <laughs> drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. 
It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted. And it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code melanieavalon for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10 year decade bulletproof coffee habit but sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. I love that. And it's sort of similar as well to a concept you talk about, which is doing things that can only be done at certain places doing those things there. And that was very vague. So let me elaborate. Basically, and this is something that I try to do as well. And I've tried to do even more since reading your book. But if you're at your desk, that is when you are going to do the work that can only be done at your desk rather than something that could be done, like you just said, like in an Uber on your phone. Or for example, I do a a sauna session every night and it's this unit where my my head is the sunlight and solo unit. So my head is out of it so I can like do work on my phone. So I only do things then every night that can only really be done then. So yeah, I don't know if that, if that makes sense to people. So basically, if you're at your desk, don't be doing stuff on your phone that you could be <laughs> you could do later. Well, while we're talking about meetings, I love your section on agendas. So there's a very helpful section on how to have meeting agendas. And you even go so far as to say no agenda, no meeting. That's a heavy hitter. I feel like that's something I need to start implementing in general. Do you find that really helpful for people or is that hard for people to implement? Yeah. Look, when it, when you're drowning in work where everyone is, which is why I called the book Come Up for Air, you're kind of just in survival mode. When you're in survival mode, you're not making the best decisions. You're just trying to survive. So when you're in survival mode, you don't have very much extra time. And so you've kind of fallen to this trap where, you know, you stop following best practices because you don't have the time to follow the best practice, but then that f- gets you further into the quicksand of not having time, right? So, you know, it does take time to prepare for a meeting. It does take time to think through what's the agenda and pre-work and all that stuff. But that investment, because it's not a spend, that's an investment, should generate a positive return because... By doing that upfront heavy lifting, you should net overall, you know, maybe instead of not coming to a decision on the first call and needing to book a second call, because of the pre-work, you've been able to achieve everything you need to on that one call, you know? But because we're busy, we just show up, not really well prepared. We don't get to a final decision. And then we, what do we do? We got to throw another meeting on the calendar. So you got to kind of figure out a way to kind of gain a little bit of breathing room so that you can slowly start to th- to execute on these best practices and kind of reinvest the time savings that you're doing. It's also, you know, just go back to that parallel of money. When you're in credit card debt and you're paying 20% interest on a credit card, it's really hard to get out of it because you're just in this quicksand. And the moment you got freed up money, like you're just paying the interest basically. 
And for listeners, if you get the book, the section on meetings is very helpful. So it has a, like a list of questions to ask to figure out if you actually need the meeting. And then if you do need the meeting, well, first of all, it talks about how to reduce meeting time in general. And then do you actually need meetings? And then if you have meetings, how to go about them. Very, very helpful. Something else I love, and these, these are just like random different things, but you talk in the book about tasks and projects and portfolios. So for listeners who have to get the book to read all about this, but something that really stuck with me, and I actually, I don't know why I laughed, but I thought this was really funny. You talk about this idea of assigning tasks and diffusion of responsibility, and basically that tasks within the company need to be assigned to just one person, because apparently if you assign it to more than one person, people just assume other people are going to do it. I don't know why I think that's so funny, but that stuck with me. So now I've like kept that going forward. And I realized I didn't really ask a question there. (laughs) Do you have thoughts on diffusion of responsibility and assigning tasks? Yeah. I mean, if more than one person owns something, no one owns it. And my friend Lee Brower says, I don't know where he got it from, but you know, one noose, one neck. It just needs to be crystal clear. And that's the purpose of tools like Asana or others is, you know, if you want to have transparency and accountability, you should be delegating in the proper tool. And you you, know, you shouldn't be delegating work inside of a communications tool because it's it's not communications; it's work management. If I want to know, like, what's everything that I asked Melanie to do that's past due, you can't go into a work uh, into a communications tool and answer that. So, different tools are built for different purposes, and you know, you want to have a team that's highly aligned, who's very clear on what they need to do, what success looks like. And then you need to remove all the friction and barriers to let them do their job, right? So a lot of this operational efficiency stuff is removing the barriers to allow them to be able to execute on what their job is, but they have to be really clear on what their job is. Speaking to that agency that you're giving to people, I'm just curious because you talk about with meetings at Leverage, you let people leave the meeting if they feel they don't actually need to be there. How often does that happen that people leave? Not as often because like we're we're also like very conscious of of the cost associated with a meeting. Meetings are one of the most expensive things in businesses. Last year I, I read a stat that there was over thirty billion dollars of productivity waste in meetings in the US. The funny thing is a lot of those meetings were about how to be more productive. But <laughs> that's another conversation. But when you start thinking about the cost of a meeting, if you got, you know, three people on a call for an hour and their hourly rate is $100 an hour, it's a $300 call. So when you start like kind of looking at it from that lens, it, it doesn't matter if they're a salaried person or not, like they don't have infinite time. Like all of these people have some implied hourly rate. Whether you're paying them hourly or not, it doesn't matter. And so when you start really starting to think about the cost of certain meetings, and putting dollar values on it, you really start, you know, questioning yourself, like, do I really need Nick on that call? You know, his time is worth X. And when you start really, you know, looking at things from a dollar perspective, you start really only making sure that you got the right people on the calls. So deciding what actually needs to be done, you talk about this idea of the power of no, which I love. So how can people know what they should say yes to and what they shouldn't? So what they should actually 
be doing? This is the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency is doing things right, which is what we've been talking about. That's what my book is about. Effectiveness is doing the right things. So I really try to stay in my lane and stick to the efficiency part. My role, you know, with my comp- with what we do at Leverage, my company, and you know, the impact I want to make to the world is I want to just make sure people are doing things right and reducing all the friction and wasted time and optimize and free up as much time as possible. What they then go and do with that time, that's on the effectiveness side. And that's that's kind of on you. Like, you know, for me, I, you know, want to focus, refocus kind of the all of this kind of new gifted time. I want to do it on things that are, you know, going to make the biggest impact that I'm relatively best at doing. So keeping it more specific within your framework, which actually works well because it ties into my second question, you talk about how basically if you're doing something multiple times, like within the work system, then it should be like delegated or automated or deferred. When I read that, I was like, whoa, (laughs) because I was realizing all the things I do multiple times that I guess could be delegated or deferred or automated. But it's, I think it's really scary for a lot of people to, to do that. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on, on that concept? Yeah. I think anything that doesn't tap into your unique ability or give you joy should be triggers for how do I get this off my plate? And, you know, the best way to stop to, to get something off your plate is like, you know, a lot of things that are happening in business right now that you're doing. When I ask people why are they doing it, the number one response is, well, it's because we've always done it. And when you actually like start challenging the status quo and really digging in, there's a lot of things that are happening that probably you could just completely scrap altogether and you don't need to delegate or automate or, you know, do later or anything. Like a lot of things like just you could probably just stop doing. Joe Polish, who's a friend and a small business partner, you know, often talks about how your not to do list is more important than your to do list. So really being clear on like what actually needs to get done, and then you know when you kind of start looking at things through the filter, like does this give me joy or tap into my unique ability? You know, you'll you'll notice that probably a unfortunately a significant amount of what you do day to day doesn't fall into that. Yeah, one of my other favorite quotes from the book, it might have been a quote of a quote, you were talking about what is the least productive thing. And somebody said, it might have been you, or you might have been quoting somebody, but it was nothing is less productive than to make more efficient what shouldn't be done at all. That was another moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, what a, you can polish a turd, but who, who said that? I think it was, was it Drucker? I'd have to look. I didn't pull the, the name with it. I'm going to put it in a story post after this, so I'll find out. Super random question that I don't think you talked about in the book. How do you feel about how AI is going to affect all of this or continue to affect it? I think that AI is definitely going to, there's going to be use cases where you're going to be able to save time using it. So I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how can we incorporate AI into collaboration and workflows. I think that right now, you know, where, where things are at with ChatGPT, I think that you can save time getting some rough drafts of you know, content and you know, blogs. I think it can help you save some time there. I don't think that it's as impactful in other aspects of business yet, but I think you know, it doesn't take 
too much imagination to, to kind of forecast that it's going to, you know, improve our efficiency and, and productivity. But the beauty of it is I, I still think that it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't need to be following that CPR framework or getting to inbox zero or any of these things. Like I think that just puts, you know, sprinkles on the cake or some gasoline on the fire, but you still need to, you still need to be, you know, putting things in the right drawer and knowing when and how to use all these tools and using AI as a, as a tool and not really expecting it to be the panacea that's going to solve all of your problems. Do you use chat GPT just in general? Yeah, we're, we're playing around with it. It's impressive. There's a lot of really interesting use cases for it, you know, but it's only as smart as what you put into it. So you have to, you know, you have to be, so to speak, a prompt engineer and be creative on, I mean, that's going to be a role in itself in the future, like prompt engineering, knowing kind of being creative and knowing kind of how to get the most value out of that tool. Just like what we're talking about here, which is kind of what we do at Leverage and what I do, which is, you know, how do you get the most out of these other tools? You know, so it's it's just a it's just another tool, just like Slack or Asana, and it's important that you know how to use it because if you don't use it properly, it's not going to be that valuable to you. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine, and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits. The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight, it's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the US is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives. Dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon. All right, now back to the show. Feels like I was like dating somebody like ChatGPT and I was like, oh, he's impressive. He's alluring. I like him. And then I was like, oh, he lies. <laughs> I got to start fact checking everything. So I'm a little bit disillusioned. I got to wait for the, um, the future versions. And what about, you make a, a big statement in that pretty much everything throughout history has been projects and has been accomplished through this idea of like sprint planning. Listeners can get the books to get the full picture, but just briefly, what is this concept of sprint planning? I mean, it's basically just aligning with what matters most and what being, being realistic and having a framework to reasonably guess what can get done in a week and having that visibility both for yourself, but also of your team 
so that, you know, everyone's kind of on the same page. That's, that's what I'm calling sprint planning. And then we kind of go much deeper in the book on that one. Yeah. So definitely get the book for that. Is there anything you're working on? Cause you mentioned at the beginning when you have, you know, something you're trying to fix, what are you most trying to figure out right now? Well, a big thing right now is being clever and creative with, you know, all of these new open AI, chat GPT and so on and so forth, you know, using them in combination with everything in the CPR framework and kind of enhancing efficiency and collaboration and being clever with, you know, using those tools to collaborate better. That's a key area of focus right now that of content and IP that we're building out. And just very a specific random question, but this made me think of it because you have five tool categories. Will all companies be using all five categories or are there exceptions? Everyone. I mean, you could even like at a meta level, there's three, there's communication, there's planning, and then there's resources. And then, you know, in communication, you've got the subcategory of internal communication, external communication, but and then resources, you've got static knowledge, you've got dynamic knowledge, but there's really three buckets. And no, it, I think that that is going to stand the test of time. And even in 20 years, even once this AI stuff is even more, you know, well, well refined, you're going to still have those three, three buckets. I was, yeah, I was super curious about that. If there was this future where there's just one bucket, but you think it'd always be the three Yeah. And I think that certain tools might, you might be able to achieve some of those buckets because, you know, some of these softwares start getting a bit better and you might be able to get rid of one tool because another tool kind of ticks off two buckets, right? So you might not need five different tools. Maybe you'll need four or three because you can double dip, but you know, it's still going to be the, the same theory that you've got those you know, three major buckets that you need to solve for. Should people work themselves out of their job? Yep. If you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. We talk about this one in the book too. And I wouldn't be fearful. I would only be fearful of these things if you're not confident in your ability to, you know, adapt and do higher level work. But that's not really like the mindset of a senior person. You know, you should be excited that ChatGPT, for example, can help you write, you know, articles faster. Because, you know, now with all this freed up time, maybe you can do more articles. Maybe you can be more strategic with headlines and get a much higher hit rate because now you're, you know, you're able to spend an extra five hours a week on purely just headlines that is going to drive many more results. But the more impact that you can make for your team and for your company, the easier it's going to be for them to justify paying you more money and giving you higher level work and putting you on a better path. So you should be excited regard of all of this stuff, chat GPT or the stuff we're talking about in my book. It should be exciting to you to get the crap off your plate because now with all this extra freed up time, you can spend it in just better ways. Well, so how can people get the book? How can people work with you? If so, what are the the resources for people to to grab here? So the book is is basically 
320 pages of just pure content. It's like the employee manual that you never got. It's very dense. It's not one of these books that has, you know, two concepts and then like a million stories. And, you know, I'm an efficiency geek. So if, if I weren't, this book would have been like 1400 pages long, but HarperCollins didn't even want it to be longer than the 320. So what we did was we created advanced additional content that we put up on comeupforair.com. And so throughout the book, we'll say, you know, if you want to see the quiz or you want to see this playbook or you want to see, you know, a PDF diagram of this, you know, you could go to comeupforair.com. So we've, we've invested a lot of time with the additional bonus content that I'd really encourage people to go and not just buy the book, but also go to that website, enter your email and I believe order number, but get the free resources. So that's one thing. And also, if you want additional help, you know, at getleverage.com, we offer more advanced programs to take it, you know, beyond what we cover in the book. I will put links to all of that in the show notes. I always am just curious because I love the cover art. Were you super involved in the cover art or did they decide that? Every part of this book took a lot of time. Speaking of time, I you know, should the should there be a puddle of water underneath the chair? Should the should the level of the water come above the sea or below? Everything like this book, we spent four years. We put our blood, sweat, and tears, and like that was everything. The the copy, but also you know the cover makes a difference. Like having like a cool looking cover you know, definitely like attracts more people to buying the book. So I wanted to, I did the audible too. If, if you're more of a person to do the audible, like I spent four days in a recording studio. I hired a voiceover coach, every, every detail of this, cause we want this book to still be talked about, you know, in decades to come. So we, we just, we threw everything at it. So it wasn't just like a one hit wonder. I'm so glad because I meant to mention that. I love it when authors read their own book. I both read parts of yours and I listened to parts of it. And I love it when they take the time to do that. I think it makes it so much more personal. Also, I just have to let listeners know because you signed the version that you sent me. Thank you so much. And Nick uses little stickers of his face (laughs) in the signature, which is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mystickerface.com. It's amazing. So, but in any case, this has been absolutely amazing. Speaking of time so much, thank you so much for your time. The last question I ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for? Wow. That's a great question. I'm grateful for so many things, but I have some amazing people in my life, both my team, close friends, mentors, clients, partners. I've really, I really am grateful for kind of the network that I've built up in every aspect of the the relationships that I have. And I was with Jordan Harpinger years ago and he, he told me a great line that stuck with me, which was, and Jordan has a podcast too, The Art of Charm. It's a, a great podcast that the IRS, you could go bankrupt. The IRS could take away all of your money and your assets, but they can't take away your network. And you know, I, I am very grateful for having people, you know, like you and John and just amazing people that I can call friends and collaborators. I love that so much. That really does bring it full circle because our introduction through John just felt very personal and it's been a pleasure to get to know you. And like I said, your book, the timing of it is crazy that I am launching this other company while I was reading it. And I was just thinking, this is the perfect time to be reading this in my life. But clearly you're helping so many people with it. So 
thank you for everything that you do. And yeah, we'll have to stay in touch. Are you writing another book? No, I just launched my own podcast. So that's kind of the next project. It's called The Optimized Podcast, theoptimizedpodcast.com. And we're doing live consultations with people. I'm co-hosting it with Jay Abraham, if you've heard of him. He's like a OG, world-class marketing and business consultant. He charges like $120,000 a day to consult. A day? Yeah. And, you know, speaking of what I'm grateful for, like I'm grateful for people like Jay in my life. Like he's a dear friend and mentor and co-host of this podcast. And we help uncover the biggest hidden opportunities in a business in a 60 to 90 minute consultation. At some point we're going to charge right now. We're doing it for free while we're, while we've launched and we repurpose the content as a podcast and that's really fun. So that's the newest project. It'll be a while before I write another book. This to do it right, it really just takes so much time. Oh, I know. I feel like people don't don't always realize. Well, welcome to the podcast world. That is amazing. I'll have to check it out and I will put a link to it in the show notes as well. Yeah, I would love I would love any suggestions because it seems like you've really cracked the podcast code. So, let me know your thoughts and any <laughs> any any tips i will thank you awesome well enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much for listening to the melanie avalon biohacking podcast for more information you can check out my book what when wine lose weight and feel great with paleo style meals intermittent fasting and wine as well as my blog melanieavalon.com feel free to contact me at podcast at melanieavalon.com and always remember You got this.